Welcome back to the Policy Wonk Podcast. My name's Joe. I'm here with... Kale Shaw. And we're also here with a very special guest, Dan Crowder from Lake County, president of the Lake County Young Dems. Thank you for having me on my 18th favorite podcast. Oh, wow. No, it's your it's your first favorite. This is not part of my take. That is an incorrect statement. <laughs> what what are what are 1 through 17? Oh, okay. So first is pardon my take. Okay. Mm. Uh, second is uh, macro dosing. As you can tell, I am uh, white because it's all barstool sports. <laughs> but none of the ones with the problematic people, only the ones with the uh, very short man with long hair who is kind of an asshole, and then the slightly larger man uh, who's less of an asshole and more of like a wholesome figure. It's actually, as I'm looking at the room right now, it's pretty spot on. Yeah. Short man, wholesome, nice guy. Short man's a dickhead. It's a great day. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. I don't yeah care. Oh, it. fuck. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course. Welcome to the show. So, Joe, what are we talking about today? Uh, so, first, I want to talk about Senate Bill 83. The one? The one. The one that I talked about the on one, my solo show? Yes. Your solo uh, podcast special recently. Shaw Talk. On Shaw Talk. Shaw Talk. So, you were in Columbus recently, Kale. I was. I was in Columbus. And SB 83 was proposed while you were there and i think you were at the press conference i was at the press conference with senator serino and and gang so what what's in senate bill 83 because mm. it's a laundry list of proposals it's it is quite quite the bill uh the one that sticks out to me the most is the one that would bar uh university staff from going on strike mm. it's the big one it's like really really just irks me um, it also talks about universities um, backing out of research relationships with Chinese institutions, mm. um, requiring American history courses. It would rework the way that schools, um, like I guess, grade tenured professors. Um, and one thing that I agree with is uh, board of trustees training. There's so much more, but there's big ones. Yeah. I think one of the, the things that really sticks out to me and what's gotten a lot of attention uh, is the ban on uh, university professors striking. Um, if you've ever been involved in the labor movement or ever been part of a union, uh, striking is one of the most effective way to get your, uh, your proposals enacted. Um, and taking that right away from workers is essentially, you know, you're neutering the union's ability to fight for its members. Um, and it's the most, you know, flagrant anti-labor, uh, you know, proposal that's part of this bill. And it's been a long, it's been a long fight. The Republicans has, have, uh, you know, been on in trying to attack private sector unions, but also public sector unions. Senator Serino during the, pre not even after the press conference when I was talking to him, um, really focused on how that is to protect the students mm. because they, they pay tuition 
and they're still paying tuition when there's a strike going on, blah, blah, blah. But it's more than that. Mm -hmm. It's obvious that it's more than that. It's stripping the unions of their, like, bargaining power, essentially. He was like, oh, they can still negotiate. They can still do blah, 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 blah. Sure. It's it's nuts, you know? It's nuts. You've been a part of a union in the past, right, Dan? Uh, yes, I helped organize. Uh, I was member number six for the first uh, statewide political campaign union mm-hmm. uh, with Campaign Workers Guild. Uh, that was in 2018 with the Ohio Democratic Party. Yeah. You know, from your perspective, mm-hmm. when you see this kind of legislation put forward, much in the same way that any sort of anti-organization or anti-union legislation mm. um, in private sector, let's call it manufacturing, let's call it um, mining, let's call anything that people normally tie to union labor, mm-hmm. um, much in the same way, it's never to protect the public, it's not to protect the students, it's not to protect customers, it's, not, it, it's entirely to suppress the rights of individuals. So it's interesting that someone who has, you know, chosen to try to better the world as all education from uh, pre-K, preschool, all the way up through higher education, through the trade schools, um, someone who's doing that, you somehow lose your rights mm-hmm. because, well, hey, you should be forced to work this certain way because we need you to. And it's much in the same way that you have a, a certainly um, a big issue with the Biden administration with the rail workers union yeah. from earlier this year. Uh, just because you chose a line of work does not mean you lose your rights as an individual to organize. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Jerry. I know Senator Serino pretty well. Um disheartened by this but it's it's kind of in line with where he's been the last three years yeah so uh, i can only hope that in 2024 that because as he will soon learn uh, he's been drawn out of a district that was very conservative parts of lake county and the very conservative geauga county into cuyahoga county so i would hope he would try to match his district a little bit better I would hope that he would try to be representative of the people who vote for him and not for this little minority that are telling him that, hey, we need to stop wokeism on, on campuses. So let's let's put a little pressure on these people that we think are causing, quote unquote, problems for us. You're getting the full radical Dan Crowder today. Yeah. I and mean, this is like and I'm not even the, I'm not even warmed up yet. So this will be fun. The full woke left wing. Nope. <clears throat> Yeah. No. Before you get into it, what does woke mean, Joe? Exactly. What does that even mean? You, you guys are gonna get me in trouble on this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows he knows what I what I consider it. You've heard me talk about this, right? Right, Joe. What I what I see is the uh, what they're using woke in place of. I don't re- I don't recall. It's a word I won't use here. Yeah. But it is in place of anything people don't like, uh, from a cultural standpoint. Yeah. And. There were terms in the 1920s that I'm not going to say here because while I, you, I've been told I can say things like fuck, it's worse than that, right? Uh, it takes place of words 
that were popular in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, right? Um, words to demean people who uh, maybe try to help minority groups. Mm -hmm. That's what it's taking the place of. I'm not hearing woke ever said in a positive way or even in a neutral way. It's normally said in a derogatory way. So you have to interpret where other words could have been put in there. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, you've heard... Uh, read me be called woke once or twice in a few pieces mm -hmm. um, for simply saying that all people on this plane should be treated equally, fairly, and with respect. And if someone is telling you loudly, quietly, uh, with a protest or standing on their own, I'm not being treated well, I don't think my life matters, that they should be heard. But then you get called woke. What does that mean, right? Why are they putting it there? Why are they referring to it there? What other thing, maybe two words put together, do they want to say, but they can't say? Because that'll get you in trouble. But you can call someone woke left or right, and it does not matter. You, A couple days ago, I saw someone wearing a shirt that said anti-woke. <laughs> they could just put asleep yeah. if they meant anything other than what I interpreted as. It's, I mean, you're right. It's a way, I mean, one, what is woke? No one can define it, not even the people that. Not even Meatball. No. Who is Meatball? Ron. Ron DeSantis? Yeah. Yep. Oh, you didn't let me talk about, you didn't tell me I would get to talk about my favorite guy. He's my favorite of the Republicans. Joe knows, Joe, Joe, yeah. you're going to hear me say the phrase, Joe knows this. A while back, and I, I would love to have had the story with me today. They did, I think it was Washington Post or, or New York Times, it was a national paper, did an expose on DeSantis. How big do you think his personal circle is? Meaning the people that actually know what Ron DeSantis is up to at a given time, what's in his head, where his ideas and thoughts are going. How big is that circle, would you feel, for a guy who, let's be honest, wants to be president of the United States? That for him? Yeah. Probably. Two it's two people. Well, that's a lot less than I was going to say. <laughs> Jeez. It's two people. It's his wife and his best friend who is his longtime political consultant. That's it. I admire the hell out of that because that means he knows exactly what he's doing at any given time. When he says woke, he knows it's going to activate someone in North Dakota to go pound a thousand doors for him because they too feel... I'm tired of all this wokeness in my life. I just want to go to work and I want to come home and I want to have a happy life, which is an admirable thing, but for some reason feels the idea woke is against that. That equality is somehow against that. That's who Ron DeSantis is, right? He knows exactly what he's doing every given time. He knows what buttons to press. It's admirable. Now, he might be the devil. I don't know. He says a lot of mean things, things that you go and say, wow, I have to question where your motivations are. But between him and Trump, we know what Trump's going to do. Because you, we don't know how big Ron DeSantis' circle is outside of those two people, no one's going to leak stuff. Like Trump had 20, 30 people that could leak to the press every day oh this is what he's thinking while he's taking a shit in the morning right Ron DeSantis out of nowhere is like hey we're having a press conference <laughs> just out of the blue we don't know stuff's coming until he does it mm -hmm. so 
Dude played his cards right. Oh. Yeah. He's set up. And this thing, he doesn't have to run in 24. He could hold back, let Trump go get every arrow shot at him, and, you know, hey, he's going to get indicted, allegedly, at some point here. I heard Tuesday. Now it's Friday. Oh, did I just date the podcast? No, uh, it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, he can let Trump get hit with all of that for the next few years, run against Biden, run against Harris, run against Buttigieg, run against J.B. Pritzker, whoever it ends up being. Watch Trump lose and then come back in 28 with a fervent and angry electorate without having to worry about the Republican base. Hmm. I love that he's called Meatball, though. Yeah, Meatball's probably the best uh, nickname he's given him so far. I think that's a good segue into just talking about 2024. Oh, no. Because besides... Marianne Williamson announcing her run uh, as the Orb Mother. Um, And it seems things are pretty set in who is running on the Republican side. Uh, Trump, obviously running. Ron DeSantis has all but announced. Uh, Nikki Haley, probably Mike Pence. But Has Mike Pence not announced? No. Not yet. Not officially. I feel uneducated. But he's taken all the steps, too. He's been to Iowa. He's been to New Hampshire. I don't know if he spoke at CPAC. We should go to Iowa. We should go to Iowa. We should Iowa. go to Iowa, give a speech, and start getting people stirring. But let's say on the Democratic side, Joe Biden decides to not run again. Who who should who should run? Now I understand why I'm here. I believe that we have big problems in this country. And big problems require big solutions. And big solutions come from big boys. And the best big boy to run for President of the United States is Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Fist bump. There we go. That I is like that J.B. J.B., let me tell you about J.B. Pritzker. You look at J.B. Pritzker and you go, moderate, maybe conservative. As progressive as they come. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Yes, is he a billionaire? 100%. But he has put his money literally where his mouth is. And put into action moves that help the farming community in Illinois. He's not just focusing on the Democratic city areas that have gotten him elected twice now. He has been overwhelmingly ahead of the curve on COVID from 2020 into 2022 in terms of doing what he can for, let's be honest, a very densely populated state in a few fine areas and then just wide open everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, and plus, at the end of the day, can I spoil something? Can I give you, not spoil something, can I give you a little insight into J.B. Pritzker? Of course. Yeah. I want to know how the big man thinks. I have it on good authority, good authority, that J.B. loves to play craps. And as a big boy who likes to play craps, <laughs> I think we need a guy who understands to never say the number that comes after six in the White House and jinx us all. Because the last few before Biden... And after Obama, because let's be honest, was Trump really calling the shots when he was, you know, doing that weird salute on, on the balcony? <laughs> was he really in charge at that point? I don't think so. I hope not. We need a guy who's not going to jinx us and say, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. It's just going to be a few weeks. And we're all going to go back to normal. It's all going to be normal again. 
JB will be the first one to be like, nah, man, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm putting all my money on cum. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I love JB. So, I, so I, I'm under the impression that, Kale, you agree with me that we have big problems. We need big solutions, and that can only come from J.B. Prisker. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Midwestern Democrats in general. I, I would, I would throw my weight behind a Pritzker, uh, Whitmer ticket. I, I would love to see Big Gretch, run and Big Gretch. Um, shout out Detroit. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen there because I do feel, as we saw with the Flint water crisis and. Plenty of, I, I would say, smaller issues. I think that's the biggest issue of the last 10, 15 years yeah. in the state of Michigan. There have been some problems there, so I, I do want to see her finish out the term, um, or at least to the best of her ability, to put them in a good place um, going forward. I, I I wish he was like 10 years younger. I would love to see Pritzker and Jay, Jay Ensley out of Washington. Yeah. I, I was a big fan of Jay Ensley in 2020. It was just one of those situations he just didn't have the name recognition mm-hmm. everywhere outside the Pacific Northwest, and they vote last for the <laughs> most part. Yeah. I wonder where where it went up. Ugh. I wonder what these Midwestern Democrats and Jay Inslee, I guess, Jay Inslee. would he, think he's, about. Uh, he's very Midwest. He, he in is heart. in my heart. He's, about HJR1. Yes. What would they mm-hmm. think about HJR1? Well, I know J.B. Pritzker would eat HJR1. Mm-hmm. Sixty percent threshold. I mean, he could, he could, he could eat eighty percent of that if do he you, wanted to. Do you know how crazy sixty percent threshold is? It's in, in Lake County, which I can speak to as you know, president of the Young Dems. Mm. Um, it has felt like we have been in some landslide elections as of late. Yeah, because of just interesting situations, right? In the last few years, I can only think of one person who's lost sixty percent or more. And it's our county auditor candidate who keeps getting just absolutely whipped every two years, it seems. Yeah. But that's a landslide, right? Like I, I've called candidates in the past and been like, listen, if you can rack this thing up to 70, I'll buy you a car. That's how big a 70 <laughs> margin is. You think about a 60% margin? Six out of 10 people agreeing on something in this country? Multiply that by, if you're in the state of Ohio, what? 10 million voters in a good year? Yeah. So 6 million people are going to agree on one thing? No. But, hey, it's it's coming from the same people who don't want special elections one year, and then next year say, oh, no, we need those back now. Oh, yeah, in August. Those are – that's throwing me through a loop, actually. Yeah. It's – it's nuts. <laughs> it, it's – so I – part of my background that didn't come with my introduction was I was the um, – I can talk about – the BOE. I was the election technology specialist for the Lake County Board of Elections. Oh, from... so you rigged the election. Uh, so here's the beautiful thing. <laughs> I left in March of 2020. Mm. So I left right before anyone could be like, you're the person that rigged the election. <laughs> I was I was the guy that handled the audit system, uh, hand, handled vote tabulation, so the counting of votes. I would have been the guy that the pitchforks were coming for uh, if Lake County had any sort of questionable anything. Uh, which I will tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are there is no election official that is certified that has gone through um, proper training that would ever attempt to maliciously affect an election. 
does not exist. I have been in a room of Republicans and Democrats who in one breath will will be screaming just complete disagreement of between election officials, mind you. But if you talked for one second about anything that would maliciously harm a voter, those people will stab your eyes out with a cocktail <laughs> knife. Nice. They, they I, and no exaggeration. They are just to believe for one second that someone would take not only their career because you're done. If you interfere, you're done. You're never getting hired anywhere else. You've spent 10, 15, 20 years gaining experience that is completely unusable everywhere else. Mm -hmm. They're not going to interfere with an election. It's not going to happen. But to my point, I, I was at the Lake County Board of Elections. We've had an August election. I can <laughs> tell you why the Republicans want this with one good example. There's a Willby East Lake Schools. It's a pretty large school district in Lake County. Ran their tax levy in a special election. Now, the cost goes entirely onto the school district to administer that election. They have to send out notices. They have to advertise. To the letter of the law, they're required to do so much, right? We turned on the tabulation computer, got everything ready to go. Memory cards come down for absentee voting, which gets counted first. If you vote absentee, ladies and gentlemen, your vote is counted first. Just want to let you all know. We plug this machine in. We generate our first report, the one you see at 735, whenever they make that first push. Mm. 83 to 17. That is the percent breakdown against the levy. That's why Republicans would want special elections. When they outlawed it, it was this great thing for election officials. Oh, my God, I can finally go and enjoy my summer. Because these people can't take vacations, really, September, October, November, December. If they have a presidential election next year, January, February, March, April. If you have an August special election, you can't take a vacation. June, July, August, September. Where do you have the ability to have time off to spend time with family? None of that exists. Election officials saw it as a huge win. Mm -hmm. Things like HGR1 and things like banning or I guess reallowing August, August elections isn't for better elections. You're going to burn people out. You're going to see poor turnout. With that 83-17, which I think ended up being 81-19, when it's all said and done, they didn't have 20% turnout in that district. How is that representative? Mm -hmm. How do you actually know what people in that district wanted? Now, it, in November it passes, but that cost got put on the taxpayers. It got put on the school district. They cut safety officers. They cut uh, arts programs. I believe they cut busing during that during that failure. Yeah. Cutting special elections out was a great move. It made it more representative of the electorate because you pushed issues to have to be in a point where everyone understands, okay, there's an election coming up. HDR1 takes that away from voters. If 55% of a city says, hey, I want this person to be my city councilman, that person's a city councilman. If 50.0001% of a city uh, or a township or a village of like 80 people vote for uh, a, a new tax levy for, for roads, it passes. But for some reason, that same rule will not apply if HJR1 passes and is signed into law 
for amendments to the state constitution, amendments like in 2015 with um, recreational marijuana, which we saw uh, grannies against cannabis go stand out in front of polling locations <laughs> screaming, it's going to kill the kids. It's going to kill the kids. You have glaucoma, lady. It's going to kill the kids. Um, you have this current uh, reproductive rights yeah. issue that I, I was emailing about right before we, we sat down. Um, how is 50 plus one good in all these other all these other areas except this? Now, listen, if you want to say HDR1, sign into law, Dwine, go ahead, you know, Grandpa Ice Cream Social. Um, if you go ahead and do that, that's cool. That's that's you. You are proving exactly what we think about you is true. Yeah. Do it for every office. Keep doing runoffs until every single one, until everyone gets sixty plus. plus. You're never going to get that. You're going to be running elections for governor for fifty years because not even the Republicans can get sixty percent approval on Mike Dewine. It's a ridiculous bar to ask people to exceed. Especially in a situation where, I'm sorry, I'm just occupying all of your airwaves here. It's ridiculous when you think of, I don't know if I'm the only one that has seen the anti-reproductive rights ad that is going on air, which somehow connects reproductive rights to uh, transgender health care. It's not in the the amendment. It's nowhere close to the amendment. But somehow that's tied into it. When you can be just flat out dishonest in political advertising, which is, is something that's I, I, I'm working with a client of mine on trying to to address, as long as you have that dishonesty, you can't move forward with the public actually knowing what the hell they're voting on. Someone walks in and says, Well, if I vote for that, then my daughter's gonna become a man. Well, if that was the kind of path she was already on, sure, but it, it, no one's holding a gun to her. But I, I guarantee they'd like more rights for that gun. But it, it's... It's also interesting. It's happening at a time when the country is closely... It's polarized, regardless of what state you're in. So you you enact this 60% threshold, sure. One, like you said, Dan, democracy is 50 plus one. That's how... That's how this works. And we're, we're in a time where elections are very, very close. Nevada, Nevada, Arizona had extremely close elections. And again, that can happen in Ohio, especially on issues that are so important, like abortion or like any possible future redistricting amendment that could come up down the line. And we know what they're – we can see – through you know their talking points about why they want the threshold to be 60 percent in reality their goal is to depress turnout in elections overall Mm -hmm. but to also make sure that popular policies can't get passed by voters even though it's approved overwhelmingly by the general electorate there's something that just feels like out of touch when let's say I don't know the actual numbers, but like 55% of Ohioans or 53% of Ohioans or something like that are pro-choice to an extent, but there's a supermajority in the state legislature that says the opposite. Mm-hmm. So it's not reflective of the state population. It's just, It feels 
very wrong. What do you have to say now? Well, Joe, I, I'm shocked that you did not ask me to say my favorite phrase for the last seven years, which is that polls don't matter. Um, you made a good point. We, we hear it all the time, and I've heard it with this reproductive rights amendment. 60% of Ohioans support uh, reproductive rights for all people. And I'll say, okay, 60% didn't vote for the candidate for governor that said that she was going to address the issue. Mm-hmm. So 60% may that you poll of 1,000 people if we're being generous about modern uh, political polling. Mm-hmm. 60% of that group, sure. But 60% of people called, people who are reached out to, are not responding. So Joe's heard me complain about this for years. The people, the reason why we had a 12-point gap between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in October, in, I think it's October 26, 2016, you had a 12-point gap. Hillary Clinton had 50% in that po- in CNN polling, in ABC polling. So landslide the other way because the people who voted for Donald Trump are not picking up the phone and telling anybody what they think about anything. It's the same people that if you go door-to-door saying, hey, I'm collecting signatures to uh, get asbestos out of our, our elementary schools. They're the same people that will look at that piece of paper and say, I don't want to sign that. What, do you not? Do you want asbestos in our schools? No, I, I really don't. I just don't sign anything that the government is going to have. I, I don't trust that. Do you vote? Yeah, I do. It's the same people who handle the signature when you go vote. I don't sign when I go vote. Yes, you do. I don't <laughs> sign when I go vote. <laughs> I can share the story now because it's years old, and I've just completely derailed your podcast. Um, and I apologize to your producer because I'm rocking a little bit. Is that becoming an issue for you? I love it. In 2017, a gentleman whose name uh, will not be said for privacy reasons attempted to vote in Lake County um, using a a piece of ID that was not a legal ID in the state of Ohio. He went up, tried to sign in. Election official says, yeah, that's that's not going to cut it. He goes, yes, it is. I've used it before. So they call the Board of Elections. They get little old... 22-year-old Dan Crowder, 23-year-old Dan Crowder, and ask him, well, uh, we have a gentleman here. He would like to vote, but he does not have his driver's license, okay? He does not have any government-issued ID, okay? Well, he needs to get that. Well, he doesn't have any of that, but he says in his truck he has a receipt from Pep Boys. Pep Boys. The mechanics. And he wanted to vote with a pet boys receipt so i had them put him on speakerphone and i go sir you need to have a government issue id this is a government issue id nope no it is not it has my address on it i get that sir but <laughs> i could go to pet boys right now and tell them my address is one two three moon street on the moon and they would print that for me because they want my money well i don't see why i shouldn't be able to vote Sir, you need to get a driver's license. It's 7.15. I don't have time to go home. Well, sir, you need to get some kind of government ID or vote a provisional ballot. It's the beauty of a provisional ballot, everybody, as of right now until Frank LaRose outlaws them, is if you don't have your ID, you can provide uh, the last four digits of your Social Security number and vote. Now, rules have changed. You sometimes, more often than not, need to go to your Board of Elections with your ID in the days following the election saying, hey, see, I've got it. And then your vote counts. So 
gentleman's very angry. I hear him scream at the election official. I go, hey, pull me off a speakerphone. Puts me back on headset, and I go, hey, listen, if he gives you any more grief, um, how did he get there? He goes, well, his truck's in the parking lot. I go, cool. He's driving without, without a license. Tell the sheriff. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, was, he, was so, he was like, wow. he was motherfucking her and like, you're a bitch and everything. I go, I go listen. If he gives you any, if he gives you any more grief, just tell the sheriff. There's a red truck driving out without without a license. Wow, is that? It's, it's evil. Can you do that in other states? Can you vote with a receipt that no! has your address no. on it? No, nowhere in the United States of America can you do that. That's what I. That's just so outlandish. No, that's what they want you to think. But, but. well, and that's and that's the deal. Like Larose was like, oh, voter ID is such an issue. No, man. I don't think it is. I think, don't think it is. I, I can't recall any situation where it, in Lake County, and I can say in the last, you know, as they've had Ross McDonald as their director, I can't think of any situation where they're like, ah, you know what? Let them through. The rules are the rules. Now, LaRose wants to keep moving the, you know. The goalposts. The goalposts, but, you know, that's, that's Frank LaRose for you. Oh, we could have a whole separate episode about that guy. We really could. We <laughs> I, really could. You know, he has a, I think, a 5K run that he does every year at his conference that he makes election officials go to. And what is quite interesting is, I think the first year, the only people that showed up were his staff. And I think the second year <laughs> were all the people who were trying to kiss his ass before re-election. <laughs> the race should be 60% longer. And he should also have to complete it in sixty um, percent less of the time, and um, in all eighty-eight counties. He yes, is, he is a green beret, so I do feel that he would accept that challenge. He though. could prob- he probably look, would. I mean, if he wants to accept, I'm challenging Frank LaRose right now to that to that <laughs> race. You, you do understand with how many Republicans hate me that he will probably end up hearing this. Good, awesome. Would you like to send a message to Frank LaRose? I'll call him just right now. Just like, what's your message to Frank? I think I'm just really disappointed. I, I am too. He got in front of a room of election officials and said that the state was going to pay for all absentee ballots, the postage mm-hmm. for an absentee ballot, which is a humongous cost on, on county boards of elections. You probably, if you eliminated that cost, could hire a new clerk in every single county, which would increase in small counties where they have like zero clerks that are full-time and yeah. they could have a full-time clerk it would exponentially increase service it would exponentially increase safety and all these other things he said to a room full of a couple thousand election officials he, he never did that never did it nope first day <laughs> actually it was before he was sworn in he was elected the conference was before he was sworn in he's like yep yeah, we're gonna do that and i remember looking at a bunch of republicans being like I don't hate your boy. Your boy's pretty cool. This is nice. He didn't follow through on any of that shit. No, I remember when Frank LaRose was first elected, and I was like, I don't really hate this guy. I don't really hate him. Now I do. I, I hate I hate him now. But I am I am genuinely disappointed. And I think he sucks. <laughs> that's, that, that's the only way to put it. It's going to be really funny when Matt Dolan just wipes the floor with him. It's going to be really sad. That's going to be such a funny primary. Oh, I guess. Oh, man. Still on the topic of elections. This is more trying to segue into some other topics, more national. And maybe a little, maybe a little out of people's scopes right now. But the North Carolina GOP, 
introduced a bill that would uh, have its state's 50 senators represent two counties, regardless of population. And I've actually had a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine, my, you know, and family say, well, why doesn't every county in Ohio just elect their own senator? Just have it, like how the, how the federal Senate works. I'm like, one, this is a state government. Things operate differently. But also, there is an idea of one man, one vote. Right? This has been decided by the courts. And I, what I think that this bill, which is obviously illegal, I think it's setting up a Supreme Court challenge to that. Mm. I think that's what it's meant to do. It, yeah. Because that's what yeah. they tried to do with Moore v. Harper. But, you know, that might be thrown out. But now they're trying to, they're trying to still attack the, the basics that we've agreed on for so long to try to hold on to power as long as they can in any way possible. Could you imagine if we did that here? Like, over a million people live in Franklin County, but, like, a one person represents the one million people in Franklin County and the, like, ten people in Madison County. Do you understand how absolutely fucking crazy the one state senator from Wyandotte County would be? <laughs> Mixed do you County? Know, do you know how absolutely bad shit... <laughs> If you just had one <laughs> state senator, because that's that's essentially the highest elected office in that county. That's what that does. Yeah. That is, if you have like a, a county council that has like seven, eight, nine, ten districts, you have seven, eight, nine, ten districts. You have a chief executive, sure, a county executive. But if you sent one legislature, one member to the legislature, just to represent your whole county in one chamber. The bills that would be introduced would be absolutely fucking ridiculous. I would just want to see the senator of Cuyahoga County and, like, the senator of, I don't know. Delco. Eh, Delco's pretty cool. I like Delco. What's the most insane county? There's no insane county. All people in Ohio are good people. I just sometimes worry about Wyandotte. Um... We'll say Wyandotte then. I want the senator of Cuyahoga County and the senator of Wyandotte County in the same room to just talk about things. The beef with Wyandotte. I... The sad thing is, it's not a beef with Republicans in Wyandotte. It's a beef just with, with the entirety. It's a beef with everybody in Wyandotte <laughs> County. I love you all, but... Every time I've had to deal with anyone politically from Wyandotte, the public's probably fine. I'm worried about who the politicians are. <laughs> I don't know what's what's going on there. You know what we could get if we had uh, senator, state senators representing counties? You could get the CCP, like what Matt Dolan posted on Twitter. Mm, yes. The, the Communist Party of Cuyahoga. Or the People's Republic of Cuyahoga. People's Republic. But here's the thing. Cuyahoga has elected as a countywide chief executive Armin Budish and Chris <laughs> Ronane. You wouldn't get that. You would get a, a Chris Ronane actually going to the legislature would be pretty funny. Yeah. Because Chris would actually get things done. Yeah. <laughs> it would be interesting. You know who Cuyahoga would send? A who? Maoist. Tim Misney. A Maoist? Oh, Joe knows. I, I loved him. Yeah. I we loved him. him. He I, is, he's a big donor to the democratic yes, party oh i'm well aware i i Huge at one donor. point uh tim and i had explored a business opportunity together mm. um this is not a joke this is not a joke and i can't i don't want to share too much about it because if tim eventually goes through with it i think it's a really good opportunity for him uh he's a very nice person um 
I used to be able to do his voice. I, as you can tell, I'm a little hoarse right now, so I'll just do uh, a little away from the microphone. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm Tim Misney. See, that's what, I'm, <laughs> that's what you're getting today. Danny, I have this great idea. Let me tell you about it. That is a good idea, Tim. Danny. Every time, Danny. Every time. <laughs> Danny, I really wish we could elect some Democrats here in Ohio. It would be really good. Yes, Tim, it would be a very good thing. What are you doing about that? I'm trying, Tim. I'm, I'm fucking trying, my guy. Try harder. That's Tim for you. Tim, we would probably elect Tim. Nina Turner probably could win that. Yes, she could. Yes, she could. She could win that. I guess if it's the whole county. It's yeah. the whole county. No summit. No little... I'm hooked. My foot's hooked. My foot's hooked with a cord. I'm in trouble. Uh, there we go. Careful, I'm might safe. disturb the asbestos in the building. Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> I already had cancer once. I'm not getting it again. Um, uh, no, Nina, Nina would win that. I Nina, think countywide, Nina could win yeah. a countywide election in Lake County Later, where she wasn't running against the actual county chair. Yeah. Like, that was that was kind of like a doomed from the start thing. Like, you're running against someone that every Democrat elected in the county probably owes at least a little bit. Yeah. It's a little hard. Plus, like, the bowl full of shit quote didn't help her. Does no one know the bowl full of no, shit quote? No, well, I know the bowl full of shit. Kale Damn. doesn't educate me, please. Nina Turner goes on MSNBC right before the 2020 general election mm -hmm. and says, voting for Joe Biden, I, I am paraphrasing here, voting for Joe Biden is like eating a bowl of shit. Yeah, I know this one, actually. And you, I watch that and go, oh, well, fuck her. Because, like, don't, what is voting for Donald Trump then? <laughs> <laughs> if, if Joe Biden is that in your mind, Nina, what the fuck is voting for Joe for for Donald Trump? A glass of water. I don't. That was the best option. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you look, <laughs> if East you Palestine. look at her platform, it's like, listen, we all like people who are honestly looking at the Democratic platform when Joe Biden's running for president. There's a lot of Bernie in there. Yeah. There's a lot of Bernie in there. There's a lot of Buttigieg in there. There's a lot of Warren in there. There's a lot of. Uh, because that's what a political party's platform is meant to be. Hey, 20% of the fucking electorate wanted to go this way. We probably need to include some ideas that they would like. Hey, 30% of our electorate voted this way. We probably should include shit that they'd like. That's what a that's what it is. When she did that, I I get it. You, Bernie was your guy, and, and Joe's heard me say this for years. I get it. I was the fucking Pete Buttigieg delegate for my congressional district. I voted before he dropped out. My <laughs> vote didn't mean shit. <laughs> I remember Judge Condon in Lake County was voting next to me. He looks at me and goes, how you feel about your boy? I go, I feel pretty good about my boy. He goes, are you sure you should be voting now? Are you sure you shouldn't wait? And I go, Judge, listen, even if he dropped out tomorrow, I'd still vote for the guy. He goes, okay. He dropped out the next fucking day. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And see, that is Republicans and Democrats having fun yeah. without any issue. Pat, very strong Republican. I know what he's doing in that in that ballot on that in that ballot box. He knows what I'm doing, and we can look each other dead in the eyes and go, "Man, we are in a really weird place right now, aren't we?" <laughs> so let's let's take a a moment and talk about TikTok and Congress. Did it connect to my Wi-Fi? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, technically, sir, it 
yes, it, it does connect to your Wi-Fi if the phone is connected to the Wi-Fi. Can 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 TikTok see the the other things on my Wi-Fi if it needs to connect to my Wi-Fi? Sir, that is that's a very technical question, but I believe the answer is no. But I, I find I need that to get back to you on that. I find that hard to believe. I think you're spreading. I think that's propaganda. I. So, no, no, let me finish. Let me finish my question. Yes, sir. Why does TikTok disseminate propaganda from the Chinese Communist Party? Sir, we are a private company, and um, our, our servers are owned by a, a private American company, um, Oracle. It, all, all of our data is on Oracle servers uh, housed here in the United States, managed by people here in the United States, and... Um, the Communist Party of China does not have any interaction uh, with our day-to-day -day operations. Well, I think that you should change the name of your project, Texas, because in Texas, we value freedom and democracy, not communism and TikTok and, and popular videos and your dances. Thank you. I yield my time back to the chair. Did you hear or see... The congresswoman that was upset that a video about a gun was on TikTok. I don't think I saw that. Did you? Wait, did she have a problem with the one of the child running around the pool carrying a knife? And the mom goes, what do you got? A knife! And he goes, a knife. A knife! No! I will tell you, I, I pissed my pants laughing at that the first time I saw that. That's one of the funniest that's videos I've ever seen. That's one of the funniest videos ever. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, hey. That's like my nephew Michael. <laughs> I know that exact interaction. We he's, could do a episode where we like make a tier list of vines. It's just so I can I partially understand like the national security questions behind TikTok. Sure, you also shouldn't have social media apps on any government phone device. Period. period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I handled the social media for a government agency for a period of time. I was kind of segmented a little mm -hmm. bit from the important shit. Um, I was under tight scrutiny. I had to go through you know, cybersecurity training by the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. Uh, in general, people need to... There we go. No, no buzzing. No humming. <laughs> Not on this podcast. In general, you know, if we're really worried about TikTok and... and data being shared because i'll tell you right now facebook's the biggest culprit of, of that field yeah it is we really need to have the conversation not about social media companies and how they're handling data if they're based somewhere else it's just in general the u.s has a data problem mm -hmm. i i'm gonna say it again joe's heard me talk about this <laughs> i i this has been a big issue for years where i remember walking into to a meeting with people from department of homeland security and saying to a bunch of laymen in the room, just in a very loud conversation, hey, I want you to be aware, with enough of your personal data, I could get you to do whatever I want. And an older gentleman says, no, that's not true. That's that's not true at all. I go, if I found out you had a kid in the hospital, do you know what I could do with that information? Do you know what I could motivate out of, that, motivate out of you if you had a kid in the hospital? Just that. If I knew it, if I knew what, why they were in the hospital, how severe it was, you can make someone do something with that. Now, people post that shit 
publicly on their Facebook feed. That's data that can be used to manipulate an individual. But we don't have any issue with that if you're a congressman, apparently. But if a company has funny videos that show me a dude that's showing me how to count cards, that's a problem. <laughs> who's that a problem for? I'll tell you who's that's a problem for. That's a problem for the flamingo. That's it. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to gamble with the flamingo now, am I? Actually, no, I bet the flamingo Shit. is behind the TikTok ban. No. Mm. no. Never say that about the flamingo. The flamingo <laughs> is a wonderful place. I love it. They have my craps machine there. I have made a lot of money on that machine. Is it the same one? No, I don't want to get off topic. It's not the same one that's in the jack. No. Okay. It's similar. It's similar, but I will tell you this. I have sat down. This has become a gambling uh, episode. Just want I warn you. <laughs> gambling episode. Ready? Um, I have sat down at that machine, put $10 in, and I pull out a little little ticket, little ticket, little ticky ticky, that tells me I've made $300. And I do that every time I go to Vegas. I throw in a $10 bill. I walk out with $300. I buy a very nice dinner that night. And I have a good time in Vegas. That is how I do. I go to that same machine. I sit at the same terminal at the Flamingo. $10 in, $300 out. Everyone's happy. This last time I went, this one jackass was sitting at the machine already, not at my terminal. I sit down. He gets up. I look at him and I go, you're lost, buddy. And he went over to a different machine, sat there, and kept hearing it go, winner, 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 winner. Winner, winner, over and over again. And he eventually looked up, got over, and left. Just left the whole place. I'm like, oh, well, F you, buddy. Oh, well. <laughs> so we got about 10 minutes left in the show. Oh, God. I'm sorry. No. So what are, we, what are we talking about for 10 minutes? You mentioned county council earlier. I did. <laughs> I did. Yes. You did. It's something I've been thinking about in uh, in Lake County for a few years. Yeah. Um, as you know, in, in Cuyahoga County, instead of uh, a county commissioner form of government where you'd have three, five commissioners that would govern much of the executive offices of a county, um, many of the services that people rely on, like utilities, um, facilities. So for people who don't know, if you have a county commissioner uh, or county commissioners, they decide if you have uh, government buildings that are falling apart or not mm -hmm. um they fund things like the board of elections um they are meant to fund uh your veteran services in a county there's plenty i'm, I'm going very broad reaching so someone out there yeah. in wyandotte county can <laughs> have this apply to them now the problem right now with a county commissioner form of government is you can have uh three elected officials five elected officials who all live in the same municipality. Mm -hmm. So how representative are they of everyone else? So for example, in, from 2018 till 2022, um, you had county commissioners from Leroy Township, Madison Township, and well, Jerry Serino, our favorite. Jerry Serino <laughs> was there. He's uh, Kirtland, uh, the guy who was elected to replace him uh, for all of about nine days. Jason Wooliger was from Kirtland. And the guy who replaced him as uh, a professor at the school, I believe his name is John Plecknick. Um, and, you know, not, not the biggest fan of John Plechnik. Um, oh, sorry, Plecknick. And my issue with that is I am from the city of Menor. 
I was born at Rainbow Babies downtown Cleveland, and within 24 hours, I am in the city of Mentor. I returned to the city of Mentor after I got my degree at Kent State University, four-year degree, uh, four-year degree in three years. Congratulations, May. And I live there. I work there. Um, you know, all of that. We don't have a county commissioner. We don't have someone who's representative of the largest municipality in our county government. And I say in our county government because the auditor lives in Concord. The recorder does live in Menor, but it's the recorder. Yeah. And she also ran through, I think, her entire yearly budget in, I think, nine months or shorter her first year. So not a great representative. Um, the... Treasurer, lived in Eastlake, immediately moved to Concord. Um, Joe, help me here, but I think a majority of our elected officials live in Concord. Yeah, Some, or, one of the... Or Madison or Perry or something, but they don't live in Menor. And what's interesting is Menor pays the most money. It's also the most populated city in the county. And it generates the most money because I think it has most of the economic center, both from a manufacturing standpoint, from a service industry standpoint, from a commercial standpoint. Yep. Uh, it generates a good amount of revenue. It, it contributes a majority. If you looked at each municipality, it, no one comes close to how much it gives to the county. And yet, we don't have a representative. So I've been uh, in talks with some people for a while, and we are looking at trying to work on a county council in Lake County that would make it more representative. It would be about one person representing 45,000 people. Mm -hmm. Instead of now, you have three people that ballpark it between seventy five and 80,000 people. Yeah. But my issue with that is, right now we have a guy from guy who lives in Willoughby Hills, allegedly, because I know he's teaching a class here, but he's also teaching a class in North Carolina at the same time, and I wonder if that's an issue with Cleveland State's, uh, you know, contracts with their professors he also ran for partisan office while he works for cleveland state i feel like that's a weird thing that'd be an interesting thing to like look into it would be hmm. it would be um you have another guy in madison township who's currently i believe under fbi investigation for election interference because someone in his office according to official documentation this isn't you know bullshit i'm not making it up kill look at me i want you to know this is real someone allegedly not him used a key card that is assigned to him, scanned into his office, and connected a Razor laptop to the county network to try very hard to get into the election server of the Board of Elections. Now, what they eventually got was just like, you could see what computers were connected to what printers because these are not the smartest people in the world. Uh, but this person, this county commissioner, is currently under investigation because... It's really fascinating when he says it was he had nothing to do with it, wasn't him, whatever. But someone got his key card, and he never reported it stolen. Mm. And then we have a third guy who, when he was the mayor of a municipality called Willowick, well, I'll just tell you this. I want you to Google everyone at home, firefighter Willowick benefits. And I want you to read what Rich Redgovich said to a widow of a deceased firefighter. That's who we got. Why do we have that? Because people just voted Republican. Mm -hmm. And the whole county voted that particular way. Whereas in the city of Menor, if you would elect people based on, I'm just going to say, the highest vote earners 
of the city of Menor, you would elect people like Ray Kirshner, who's had about 20 years of public service, who's worked with people on both sides of the aisle. Uh, you would have people like Scott Marn, who's, a, I think, also like a 15, 20-year elected official who, by all accounts, has done great work. You'd have people like Matt Donovan, who's currently the council president, who's, hey, we talked about labor in this episode. You want to talk about someone who's pro-labor, that's Matt Donovan. Yeah. Pro-worker, that's Matt Donovan. Uh, in the city of Willoughby, you have a you have a great council in Willoughby, uh, helmed by a, a, a very good mayor in Bob Fiala. You have all these other great elected officials, but for some reason at the very top, we have disrepresentational. I don't think that's a word, but let's call it improper representation. I'd love to have more information for you. We are at a weird stage where we're just starting this conversation, but I do think at the end of the day, if you said, hey, would you rather be represented by somebody who lives 30 minutes away from you or someone who lives 10 minutes away from you, the average person is going to say, I'd rather have someone who lives 10 minutes away from me. If there's a problem down the street, it's a problem for them too. Mm -hmm. If there's this great new thing going in down the street, it's a great new thing for them too. They're going to fight for you because they're fighting for their backyard too. Yeah. Um, so thank you for asking me a question that totally was not set up. No, it was not. No, but seriously, that's something I've always been really interested in ways of representation. We talked about it our first episode. Yes. That's what I'm doing for my seminar thesis paper is, you know, theories on representation in this country. And I think things like county council and everything that you highlighted is it's just so glaringly clear that you know this kind of disproportional representation that exists now in lake county and in a lot of counties throughout the state that don't use the council executive system you know can be solved through what hopefully you know becomes i don't know what i'm trying to say anymore but <clears throat> either way i felt we all felt more that. representation in county government is I, a good thing. I have thing. a feeling that I probably have killed your podcast, so there's a final question you'd like to ask me. I believe we have a minute or two. Is there anything you'd like to ask me? Anything you'd like me to know, or your, your listeners to know from me? Minus the fact that I very clearly have been fasting the entire day. When are you running? Never. <laughs> That's sure. No, I, I, I will tell you that... Um, if I were to run this year, I would have to run against someone I mentioned who's Matt Donovan, and I would never run against Matt because he does a good job. I don't believe people should run for office um, against people that are already doing a good job just to run. You, you, I do believe a little bit and wait your turn. Um, just, because it, just because if you feel, okay, now's my time, does not mean that all the time. Mm -hmm. It might mean now is your time to serve on a public board. It not, now might be your time to serve on a commission. Now might be a time to organize your community. That does not necessarily mean you want to kick someone out who's doing a good job. Um, if I were to run for countywide office, I don't feel I'm there yet. I don't feel I, I could do a good enough job just yet. Um, but I will say that if Dan Crowder is on your ballot at any point in time, um, I believe that in society today that we have big problems. And big <laughs> problems require big solutions. And big solutions require big boys. And with Dan Crowder and J.B. Pritzker, you will get big solutions for big problems. Sounds like a campaign for 2024. I think um, with that, we're going to wrap it up. That's a great ending point. That's a great ending point.